Well, I wonder what your most memorable Christmas gift is, hey? Perhaps it was you've, you've actually got to your most memorable Christmas gift this Christmas. You've already unwrapped your presents and, uh, and it's been pretty, uh, a pretty special one for you. You know, we often think of gifts as those kind of uh, things which we can unwrap, that we've sort of seen up here today. You know, you can rip the, uh, the paper off and find that wonderful surprise that's contained inside. Or maybe it's a, it's a very small gift. Maybe it's come in a, a little tiny uh, packet or, a, or an envelope or something like that. These gifts we, uh, we celebrate uh, very much so, and, and so we should. But today I want to talk about uh, a kind of gift that, uh, that doesn't come to us in bright colourful wrapping paper or in envelopes or in anything like that, but a gift or gifts which come to us in the, pers- in, the, uh, in, the, in the form of a person, and that person is the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to talk about three specific gifts today. We're going to go through them fairly quickly, and, uh, but I trust that as we do so, that you'll uh, be able to just uh, leave from here with these, these three gifts kind of ringing in your minds, the three gifts which I think are probably the most memorable and most significant gifts that any of us could ever receive uh, from, uh, from anyone. And these gifts, of course, come to us from our God, our God who loves us, who cares for us, and, uh, and, and is a God who indeed wants to live in relationship with each and every one of us. The first gift this morning is the gift of peace. I don't know about you, but every Christmas we hear messages of, uh, you know, from our, from our government leaders, from, uh, from, from our religious leaders, from politicians, from the Queen and, and others in the, in the world. And many of those messages are centered around peace. We want peace in our world. We want peace in people's lives. Do you, do you, do you uh, agree with me? Do you, do you sort of often hear those kind of messages through Christmas? Okay, that's good. We're all on the same page and I'm not going to be talking to people who think, what on earth is he talking about? All right. Well, look, peace, I think, is so essential to us today because of the fact that we just live in a world that is just so full of unrest and conflict, isn't it? When we look at the year that's just passed and we see all of the, the horrendous things that have happened in our world, the, uh, you know, the, the, the shootings and the, uh, and, the, and the terror attacks and the, uh, the tragedies that have befallen many, many people, and we, uh, people just long to live in a world that is, that is not like that, a world where there, is a, where there is peace, where there is harmony, where there is a, a, that safety that we can, that we can, that we can have. And so we, we focus on this whole aspect of peace. This, uh, this, this, you know, we sort of look at the, all the wars and everything that are going on in our world today. And we think, you know, if, if we could only just bring about peace, if we could just, you know, negotiate, if we could just educate, if we could just, you know, sort of promote this peace, then maybe people will, fight, you know, will actually catch on. But it's not just this unrest and conflict that, that happens outside of, 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 of the walls of our homes, unfortunately, because that conflict and, and that unrest can often be in the midst of our homes as well. At Christmas time, we often come around, uh, you know, together as families, and we uh, and we you know come together at this specific time of the year. But within families, there is unrest and there is conflict. Sadly, you know, this Christmas, some people don't look forward to Christmas time at all because they know that they've got to get together with, with relatives and people that they don't necessarily get along with. Where there has been that, uh, that conflict within those relationships and those relationships have broken down. And so it is, it's a time of stress and a time of, of, of this, 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 you know, this feeling of, of, uh, of, of, uh, of discord within, within us. Unfortunately, at Christmas time, we see that, that the, the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, ish, um, 
domestic violence issues seem to just rise dramatically at this time of the year with all of the stress and the conflict that is going on in people's lives. And so no wonder it is that we, that we as a people, we long for this peace in our hearts. We long for this peace in our lives. You know, the Bible tells us that, uh, that the reason why there is so much unrest and so much conflict and so much of this, this hardship in our world today is because, of, uh, because, because of, of, of another form of conflict or unrest, and that is a conflict between us and God, our Creator. The fact that we are, we are at the moment at odds with him. That we are, we are enemies of God, so to speak. That we, uh, we ignore God, we rebel against God, we, we choose to live our own way and, and do our own things, apart from what God has called us to live. Apart from God, we are creatures of our own desires, the Bible tells us. Ephesians, a letter written by the Apostle Paul you know, to, uh, to a church in, uh, in modern-day Turkey. He writes this. He says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. You were dead. And he says, you were dead because of these things. You were dead towards God. There was this, this, this great big gulf, this animosity, this, 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 this harmony, this disunity between us and God. And he said, you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. And he says, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and therefore we were by nature children of wrath. In other words, we were children who were, who were in, in this, this, this conflict with God. And we were therefore, you know, all we could, just, all we could hope for was, this, was God's wrath upon us and nothing else. God's just Punishment for our rebellion against him and for wanting to go our own separate ways. Paul writes that our hearts and our natures are corrupted. They were corrupted and, 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 and they're destructive. This is, who, this is a picture of mankind. You think, Joy, but this isn't much of a Christmas message, is it? It's a picture of mankind apart from God. And we were destined for God's wrath and his righteous judgment on these things. And the problem was is that we in ourselves were hopeless to fix that situation. We, were, we have nothing within ourselves that could, that could bring us back to God. No matter how good we try to be, no matter how many ways in which we try to do good things and, 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 and try to, to, to be nice people, nothing could ever separate, could, could bridge that separation between us and God because of our sin. It was a hopeless situation until, until God himself stepped into our world in the person of his son, Jesus Christ. That's why the angels refer to his birth as the birth of a saviour in Luke 2, 11. 
The angels declared that night that Jesus was born. They declared to the shepherds out in those fields just outside of Bethlehem, "Behold, you know, today this, in this in this you know in this town of Bethlehem, a saviour is born, a saviour." Now let's just think of that word saviour for a moment. A saviour is one who saves, right? So therefore, if Jesus is born as a saviour, then he has come to save, to rescue, to deliver us from our hopeless situation that we face because of our sin. And because he came, because he came to rescue us and to save us from God's judgment and his righteous punishment in our lives, he... He was able to reconcile us. He was able to bring, uh, 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 to bring us back together with God. To make peace between us and God. Romans chapter 5, Harry read just to us before, it says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God. I don't know if you're really aware of it this morning, but the fundamental need of each and every person in our world today is to be reconciled to God is to have peace with God, to know that we truly belong to him, that we are truly his children, that he no longer is, is, is going to, to pour out his righteous judgment on us for our rebellion against him. That is the fundamental need of every single person in our world today. He came to rescue us. He came to reconcile us to God. And by entering our world, by coming like us, do you just think about that for a moment? That God, the one who made all things, who created the universe in all of its vastness and its splendor and its majesty, God himself stepped into our world. He stepped into our lives in the person of Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but that just completely just astonishes me this morning. That God would love us so much that he would enter into our world himself in order to show us the extent of his love, the extent of how much we mean to him. God stepped into our world. The Bible tells us that, that God himself became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We read that in, in John's Gospel, chapter 1. He, he tabernacled, he tented with us, he, he camped with us, for those who, who like the camping uh, analogy. He came, but he came for a purpose. See, the Christmas story is only half the story. We need to hold Christmas in, 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 uh, in, in, in line with Easter as well. Because Jesus came, he said, to seek and to save those who were lost, who were separated from God. Those who were going their own way, who had no, no sort of desire for God whatsoever. God still knew that we needed him and so he sent his son. He came, he lived a perfect life according to God's righteous ways. He took the full punishment of God's wrath upon himself there on the cross. And then in victory over sin and death, he rose again. And he ascended back to heaven where he reigns today. 
And the Bible tells us that there is going to come a day when he will come again in all his majesty and glory. And that day everyone will know that he truly is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And not only did God send Jesus into this world to redeem us and to bring peace between us and God. But for those who believe that and who put their faith and trust in him, God actually gives us a second gift, and that is the gift of the Holy Spirit. And that is himself to indwell us. And we're told that the Holy Spirit is God's seal of ownership on his children. And not only that, the Holy Spirit is is God himself living within us, helping us to live the way that God wants us to live. The Holy Spirit helps us to to say no to those sinful desires which cause such havoc and devastation and disharmony in our world today. See, God's gifts are perfect. God's gifts are, are so complete in what they offer us. They are so glorious in the peace that is being that is be able to be brought between us and God through his son Jesus. Because you see, the secret to finding peace in our lives, as I said, is to be reconciled to God. And that guarantees us then an eternal inheritance with God forever and ever. Eternal life, which we've been speaking about this morning. First Peter chapter one verses three to four says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, which is undefiled and unfading and which is kept in heaven for you. The peace which God brings between us and himself guarantees us and that, that, that concrete and secure relationship with him that will continue from now into eternity. And that speaks of our second gift, the gift of hope. I don't know about you, but some, you know, we've sort of been over at uh, North Lakes a few times just recently, going uh, shopping over there. And I don't know, down near the food court, they've got Santa down there, and the, you know, the, the lineup of the kids and, and the parents sort of to see Santa. And the, you know, the kids go up and they have their photo taken on his knee, and they're able to sort of ask Santa. You know, Santa sort of says, "Well, you know, what do you, what would, would you like for Christmas?" And the kids sort of, you know, rattle off this this long list of all the things that, that they'd like. But they're not guaranteed to get what, you know, what they ask for, are they? They hope for what they might receive, but it's, but it's not assured. There's no guarantee that what they ask for is what they're going to be given. It's not a confident hope. And, and so this kind of hope is different to the hope that Jesus offers us, offers us in himself. See, this, 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 the kind of hope that Jesus offers us comes with a concrete guarantee. A concrete guarantee that what he promises we will indeed get. It will be ours. It is backed by his faithful promises and he can be perfectly trusted to deliver on what he says. 
I love this passage in Jeremiah 29. It's one of the old, of the old Testament prophets. And God speaking through him, he's, it's, a, it's a message to God's people Israel in that particular context of, of the day. But it's a, but it's a promise that, is, that carries through to all who, who come into relationship with God through Jesus. And Jeremiah says, I, speaking of God, know the plans that I have for you. Plans for your good, not for evil. Plans to give you a future and a hope. Aren't they wonderful words? Plans for your good. Sadly, today, we often think of, of you know, God being this, this kind of cosmic bad guy who just wants to spoil all our fun. But the Bible speaks about the fact that God desires our good. And for those who put their faith in God and who seek to be reconciled to him, he, he gives this promise that they will have a confident and bright future of eternity with him. That, that hope is guaranteed and it is, and it is, it is secured and found only in Jesus Christ. Another New Testament writer, uh, another New Testament book, Titus, says this, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Again, beautiful words that God, in his grace, has brought salvation through Jesus. He helps us to live godly lives through the power of his spirit who indwells us. And he gives us a hope that we know that one day Jesus is coming to reclaim all who are his and to take them to be with him forever and ever. Romans chapter 5 and verse 2 says that we, he said, Paul writes, we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. In other words, what he's saying is that we exult. We rejoice, we, we find great delight and great joy and great happiness in knowing that we will one day experience all the fullness of the glory of God by being in his presence forever and ever. That is guaranteed to those who have been reconciled to him through Christ. Excuse me, through Christ. And this hope helps us then in, in, in throughout this life with all of the hardships, with all of the difficulties, with all of the, the, the sufferings and, the, and, the, and the, the, the tragedies that we face. This hope is able to lift us beyond those things to know that in, despite all we, all we go through now, we have got something marvellous to look forward to, something glorious to look forward to, that one day God will put everything right that he will bring about a kingdom of righteousness and hope and peace and we will be recipients of that. And that points to our third gift and that is the gift of joy. See, the fact that we are reconciled to God, the fact that we have assurance of his promises guaranteeing our hope, the fact that he is here to, 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 to watch over us and care for us as his dearly loved children brings then a security of knowing that we have a joy in our hearts, a joy that remains despite, as I said, the circumstances we face. 
In Luke chapter 2 and verse 10, the angels announced this to the shepherds. They asked, we have a message of you, good news of great joy. This was the, the testimony of the angels to the shepherds. We bring you good news of great joy. And that news was indeed the birth of a saviour. That Jesus would make all the difference. A baby would make all the difference in our lives. You know, we often experience joy in our lives when we receive something special. Especially if it's been something we've, we've desperately hoped for in our lives. And when we, and when we you know, feel good about ourselves with achievements that we've made and things like that, we feel a, we feel a joy about that as well. But it's nothing compared to the joy that is ours in Jesus, and a joy that we that that, that, that can that can bring us, you know, through those hard and difficult times in our lives today. The angel told the shepherds that uh, that God was born, that Jesus was born in Bethlehem, and that He was the reason for the joy, for our joy. See, in sending Jesus, God was saying to all of mankind, he's saying, you are special. You are special. You are important to me. The God of the universe says to you today in the person of Jesus that I love you and that you are special and that I want a living relationship with you. That you are of worth because I have created you in my image and that us through faith in him we can have the wonderful privilege of being called his very children. Of being adopted into his family and of having the peace and the hope and the joy that comes as part of that. The wise men seeing the star which led them to Jesus. It's the, the Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 2 and verse 10 that they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Rejoiced exceedingly with great joy? That's just heaping up that whole aspect of, of happiness and, and overwhelming joy, isn't it? They rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And they were overwhelmed with joy because they understood just who Jesus was. And what it would mean for those who follow him. See, folks, the source of true and lasting joy, a joy that we can have in this world today, in the midst of, of whatever we face, comes through Jesus Christ. Psalm 16 and verse 11 says, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures evermore. Folks, God's kingdom, this kingdom that is spoken of, this kingdom of righteousness, peace and joy is a kingdom that is currently growing in our world today. It is growing in the hearts and lives of those people who have come to understand what the birth of Jesus really means. Who have come to receive those gifts of peace and of hope and of joy in our world today. But gifts which don't just, you know, fade away with time and get broken and things like that, but gifts which endure forever and ever and ever. Aren't they the kind of gifts we're looking for today in our lives? Aren't they the kind of gifts that everyone needs to receive today? I trust that you will remember that in coming into our world, Jesus indeed bought God's life, his light, his truth, his peace, his hope, his joy, his love. And my prayer is that this Christmas, 
you might experience and discover those gifts afresh in your own lives and your own hearts. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for the gift of Jesus. And Lord, although we, uh, we know that, uh, that, that Christmas is only part of the story, Lord, it is indeed the beginning of your story with us, the inbreaking of yourself into our world and into our lives. And we thank you for that. We thank you that we do not walk this life on our own, but that you are a God who wants to walk our lives with us to help us and to bring us into a lasting, an everlasting kingdom of righteousness, hope and joy with Jesus. Thank you for that. Amen. Thanks, Janine. We're going to conclude our service this morning by standing and singing together, O come all ye faithful. Let's stand and sing. for the rest of the day. Lord, you you know whether they're big plans or small plans, but we just want to pray right now that you will help us not to leave you out of them, 
that we won't just tick the box that church has done and go about our own thing, but we will be mindful throughout this day of the things that you have done for us, the things that are ours because of Jesus. Lord, can you help us to remember that worship isn't just an hour at church, but it's a 24-7 thing. So help us, Lord, as we go into our plans for the day to worship you in all that we do and all that we say. rejoice and be glad in him. May those who love his salvation say continually, great is the Lord. Go in his peace. Enjoy the day ahead.